Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. My name is Matthew. I'm one of your hosts. Hello, everyone. I'm Jacob. I'm also one of your hosts. And today we are going back into the Marvel Netflix world. We actually, last episode, did an entire episode without once mentioning uh, Daredevil, Matt Murdock, and only briefly mentioned the Marvel Netflix world. Today we're going back into it because we want to discuss the TV show Jessica Jones, uh, particularly the second season of Jessica Jones. It's been a, a little bit since it came out, so we figure at this point... Most of you have hopefully seen it, um, and we are going to be spoiling all sorts of things from both the first and second season of Jessica Jones, as well as probably most of the rest of the Marvel Netflix universe. Um, Jacob has not seen the most recent Luke Cage, so I will try not to spoil that. Um, But Infinity War, pretty much everything else from uh, all that world, we will be spoiling. But we have a lot of interesting things to dive into because, once again, Jessica Jones Whatever we thought of the show itself, and I think we, we have some differences about that, but it did raise some great issues for us. So let's just start there. Jacob, what did you think of the show? So in general, Jessica Jones, like if we, if we go back to season one, when we got there, that's when I realized that the Marvel Netflix shows were really going to be something special. I thought season one Jessica Jones was brilliant. Uh, apparently, it was also very controversial in that some of the community that I connect with on a regular basis really didn't like it, mm. um, and a lot of them really did like it. So it's very polarizing in that way. I have my own hypotheses and opinions about why that is, uh, and I'm you know obviously being a little bit uh, coy with this. But uh, season two, on the other hand, uh, I also really enjoyed. It was a very different tone i feel there's still the one thing that's consistent between the two is that jessica jones is clearly a very troubled character this is not somebody who's got everything figured out got their life figured out and is like really happy with their place in in everything this is somebody who's clearly struggling with their identity and the the big thing the thing i really loved is that when we got into the season we were clearly with jessica dealing with the fact that she had killed somebody. Right. Right. We were still there. Um, and I mean that, that somebody was Kilgrave, of course, it was, you know, a very monstrous individual, but she had clearly defined herself as somebody that that was, you know, a line that she didn't cross, that, that that's not what she did. And a large part of the season is centered around that idea. If you look at the, the events uh, and we'll, we'll get into this more, obviously when we talk about, it, if you look at the events of dealing with the, the one police officer that was abusing her mother or how about her mother? Right. right? So both of those situations are situations dealing with um, when is it okay or, or should heroes kill? Right. And Jessica clearly struggled with this. Yeah. So, I, I think that those struggles are interesting ones. Uh, well, actually, first I want to talk about season one for a second. My, my guess is that when you say there are folks who didn't like season one, is this kind of for similar reasons to the folks who didn't like Last Jedi? I think so. Okay. Uh, it, it's the same kind of situation where they don't they don't really come out and say it. Their criticisms are, are caged in, in other things, but they're very sort of superficial critiques that apply to basically every superhero show yeah. or, or movie as I understand it. So, Because I definitely heard that same kind of thing. And, and, and similar to with Luke Cage, like, you know, when people say about Luke Cage or Black Panther, oh, it's so black, I just can't relate to it. And I'm kind of rolling my <laughs> eyes. I think the reaction of a lot of men to Jessica Jones can be summed up in a very similar way. Um, but to get into season two, I think I really wrestled with this season because I think there were some very interesting issues that were brought up. I just didn't think it was very good. Like, I, a lot of the, the dialogue and the, the pacing really felt very off to me. Um, 
and, and, and okay, we're, we're not a sort of you know uh, TV quality crit- critique um, podcast. So I don't want to go too far into that, but I will say the the one thing that I think especially also ties into what you were just saying is. And and this is sort of a larger complaint I have. You know, Netflix is trying this whole continuity thing the same way the MCU does, and it can be difficult. And to me, this was the first show where I really felt like the ball had been dropped on continuity entirely. And and the reason why I think this applies to an ethical conversation is because the biggest place I felt that is, you're right, Jessica is wrestling with the fact that she killed someone. But in between when she killed that person and now... She killed a whole bunch of people from the hand. Mm-hmm. She was a part of the situation that led to Matt Murdock's death. Well, we, we all know that it's not really a death, but to her mind, she thinks he's dead. Um, as well as the discovery of dragons under New York City. Um, <laughs> and like... Well, just, just the one. Just, just the okay, one just, dragon. Just, just the one dragon, but still. Um, it, it just... Her struggles to me felt like it made total sense for where she would be if it started immediately after Jessica Jones season one, it felt like the writers of this were just ignoring everything that had happened in Defenders, which it, it made it hard for me to kind of see where this was with her character if such a big part of something that happened to her character was just being ignored. Right. To, to be fair, I feel like the decision to basically ignore the, the Defenders, I feel, uh, suffered a little bit from the fact that its primary villains were poorly executed agreed and so in a lot of ways one of the consequences of that was that not every character involved really got uh treated or developed in the way that they perhaps should have yeah um and i feel like jessica jones's character in defenders was one that they really kind of dropped the ball with there yeah and so rather than trying to find something for her to take away from from defenders i feel it was like a, a better decision for trying to have a good framework for the second season to go back to season one which was really good yeah and and farm for from from for some information there i mean the hand was effectively the foot clan as far as how much we cared about those lives. Right. Um, which, you know, that's a whole disposable. We, we, you know, we, we've recorded on the the Uh idea about, uh, or rather you and you and Paul recorded on the idea of who can we kill in the, this idea of characters who are introduced to us are clearly meant to be disposable. Right. In some way, like the Chitari in Avengers, like, um, the foot clan in Teenage Ninja Turtles who are in the, in the cartoon, mind you, in the, right. in the original '80s cartoon, the Foot Clan were all robots, with the exception of, of Shredder and and Krang, the brain right. from another dimension. And Turtles is weird. Uh, <laughs> so, apologies, we did not give you spoiler warnings for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, but anyway, so go on. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has an alien from another dimension. He's a brain, Krang. <laughs> uh, at least, actually, every continuity I've seen has had that. So yes. Anyway, well, but I, I see what you're saying, and I, I will say. Part of me wants to at some point go back and watch this season again because I do think that if I was in my head having Jessica Jones start where she started at the end of season one and Trish, to be fair, because I also thought her character arc was a little odd. Yeah. I think that would make this easier to take. I think it was just – especially because as we've already talked about, in Defenders, I think of all the characters who get short shrift, Jessica Jones is is one of them, Um, one of the the worst examples, especially because – In Jessica Jones, we take her anguish and her upsetness over everything that has happened in season one, 
and turn it into, oh, isn't it funny? She's such an alcoholic. Right, in Defenders. And, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think I, I felt a little bit of emotional whiplash of her and Jessica Jones, season one, being this incredible character, her pain and anguish in season two becoming something of a, a running joke and a, a not really appropriate one, I thought, given the way it made fun of alcoholism. And then in season two, we're all of a sudden back to it being a um, really serious issue again. And so I think that was – to me, that was one of the things that made the season just kind of hard to, to get into. And, and it was hard for many reasons, right? I, and, I, and I will agree with you that season two is hard to watch. Um, the A lot of Trish's plot arc was deeply upsetting. Yeah. Um, basically all the way through the season to, to the finish. And part of what was upsetting about that uh, – and again, we, we have plans to talk about this uh, in more detail – but the relationship between Jessica and Trish, which was a sort of a bedrock relationship the, in season one, like these these are two friends and they look out for each other and they do everything for each other. This season falls apart. Yeah. And it really hurts because that's one of Jessica's only uh, only connections. Clearly, if, if, if you look at it and you look at people, a list of people Jessica really cares about. I think Trish is on that list and I think the list is very short and it might only have one person. Um, and, and I'll admit the way they played out her relationship was something else that really bothered me about this, especially. And we'll, we'll get more into it, but it just that kind of rock solid female friendship is such a rare thing in this genre that to see it fall apart due to jealousy, which I think there's a lot of realism to, but is also such a cliche between women characters that it just it, it was it, it made it not my favorite. But again, that's something we'll get into. And substance abuse, and substance uh, abuse. something that they they share as a problem. Right. Uh, but with Trish, it is treated as a problem every time. And with Jessica, even in this season, they didn't really, they didn't really do enough to, I feel, uh, deal with Jessica's problem with alcohol, right? Uh, which should come to a head at some point. I'm just saying, like, yeah. Marvel Netflix writers, I love you guys. You're doing a great <laughs> job. Uh, can we please have a serious conversation about Jessica Jones's liver? Yeah, because I <laughs> like right now it's doing heroes work, and it shouldn't have to do that. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and, that, and that's an issue we're going to get into. But let's actually start with. Um, but I, I think it's good to establish that one of us likes the show a lot more than the other because it gives us a little context for. Um, because even though I did not, like, it is hard to watch. Jessica Jones season one was hard to watch. I loved it. Jessica Jones season two, I just did not enjoy watching. And I, I think we'll be able to get into more of that, but I want, um, Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. One one more thing before we, one more general thing. Uh, one thing I feel that the writers, uh, so this ties back into our, our, uh, fan fiction episode, right? Uh, the writers responded to a particular fan criticism in this, and I wanted to talk about it just very briefly because I thought it was interesting because the specific fan criticism was the same one that, uh, people had of, of, um, Michael, Michael O'Hare, Jeffrey Sinclair's actor. Oh yeah. Uh, I think it's Michael O'Hare. God, it's been too long since I've seen Babylon 5. Yeah. But it's the same, like... The actor who played Garibaldi. Yes. No, no, no. The actor who played Jeffrey Sinclair. Oh, Jeffrey Sinclair. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Jerry Doyle played Garibaldi. That's right. That one I know uh, off the top of my head. Uh, But um, I think it was Michael O'Hare. My brother's going to eviscerate me if I get this wrong. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, for Jessica Jones. So so, it's the same kind of criticism where they were like, the character doesn't emote. The actor's clearly not good. They have no emotion in 
And as we discussed uh, previously, I think offline and maybe sometimes on here, the the it's very realistic for somebody to shut down like that after a traumatic well, experience. Just be clear, what, so what is the exact criticism you're saying? The, that the criticism raised? from that uh, that I heard and I saw online for season one was that Kristen Ritter was too wooden. Okay, that she didn't wasn't expressive enough, didn't emote. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, very realistic from somebody who's gone through trauma to sort of shut down like that um, and not have a wide range of emotions and and take a long time to open up. They address this in a lot of ways by showing us Kristen Ritter in in flashback scenes uh, where she was emoting, where she wasn't just like an emo kid. Right. right? Uh, But but had a wider range. And then also when she was dealing with her mother. She had a lot, a lot broader range of emotions right. uh, going on. So I wanted, I just wanted to touch on the fact that, like, no, guys, not, was not the problem with the actress. It was a, in my opinion, very realistic portrayal of somebody dealing with PTSD. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, I, I didn't think of this as in terms of a, a reaction to that. I just thought it was a good way of showing the the depth of the character. But I, I think you're right that season two really kind of underlines that like that no this is not a lack of acting chops that actually mm-hmm. what christian ritter did in season one what was because in some ways to not react is such a good part of acting because it's such a hard thing to do and and so to be able to see that that's not just her regular mode that she had so much she could do i i did think christian ritter's acting in this was top notch i i did not like the acting of some of the other actors and um that but i will agree that was that was top notch um but again getting away from our sort of critique into more of the ethics questions um, let's start with um, this, this idea that I think she's really wrestling with for a lot of this season. And here again, where I wished Defenders had come up, but, but even if we just look at it as what she did in season one, season two, she's in the position, it seems, of saying, I do not want to be a hero. People are coming to her and saying, we heard you can do these things. We want you to do this for us. And she is saying no. Um, she basically is like the polar opposite here. You know, Uncle Ben does not approve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Spider-Man, Peter Parker's motto he gets from his uncle is with great power comes great responsibility. And Jessica Jones, her sort of thesis statement seems to be, I have great power, but I refuse to believe that that means I have a responsibility to be a hero. Right. Um, what's your take on that? So it's complicated. I do feel like it's, it's a very, it's a problematic line when you start thinking that because somebody is capable of a certain action or certain sacrifices that they then must do that because nobody else can. Right. Right. I think that that is very unfair. Um, and yes, the world that Jessica Jones lives in needs people like her to be doing good things because there are people like her who are not. And the the best counter, at least the trappings of superhero media, is that the best counter to really powerful people doing really terrible things are really powerful people doing really good things. Right. Right. Uh, there are very few Samwise Gamgee characters in superhero shows because they wouldn't be a superhero show. They'd be the common person, you know, taking a uh, taking on a tyrant or whatever. But um, I don't I don't personally think that it is a responsibility, right? That that she has to do it. I think that is a choice that is necessary that she makes because I feel like somebody who is effectively compelled to be a hero uh, won't remain a hero for very long. Yeah. That if they're doing it out of some sense of obligation or under duress, that it's not... Those are not actions that they're going to keep doing and that are going to remain with any sense of, of integrity, Right. They're going to say, this is the job that I clearly have to do and I'm going to I'm going to get it done, but I don't want to. 
Right. So I kind of have to want it or I feel like it, it's going to become tainted over time. So I feel like it's important that Jessica chooses to be a hero, but that is a choice that she has to make and it has to make sense narratively. I, I think I agree with that. I, I, when the more I think about the sort of Uncle Ben saying, in a lot of ways, and I don't think this is what he means to, when he says it to Peter Parker, but the, the best way I can interpret it is if you have great power, you do have a responsibility not to not use it unethically. You know, that like to use your power to harm others or to be nefarious, that that you have a responsibility to not use your power for ill, um, which might often mean restraining yourselves in some difficult ways. And, you know, I think this is, you know, um, you know, so much of the discussion of recently around um, sort of abusive power from like political figures or Hollywood figures. You know, a lot of it's about like kind of not just not even not even like outright abuse, but but the more casual like people not recognizing the power that they have and not recognizing it and not, not consciously trying to, 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 um, to dial it back in ways that is absolutely that they need to do or else it becomes abusive. And, and I think in, in that way, I, I do think that that's the responsibility I place on someone like Jessica is to not, um, you know, and, and we, we get into someone like Jessica's mom, that's where it comes in is that the, the very fact that Jessica Jones has the ability to do so much more harm in the world, you know, requires her to not necessarily get into situations where she's going to get into fights with people, you know, not, not place yourself there. But I also agree with you that once we start saying people with great power have to then go out and be heroes, we're really placing an unfair mantle on them. And one that I think you're right is almost, I mean, that, that's pretty much, you know, that you want supervillains. This is how we get supervillains. Yeah, exactly. Um, Plus it's ethically like, incredibly wrong right especially because she had nothing to do with gaining this power she did not want this power it was it was put on her and and here i'm going to go kind of meta and i don't know if this is intended by the by the authors but it, it seems so clear i kind of think it has to be you know the two characters who we have seen most fight against the idea of having this power are are jessica jones and luke cage um and there's this concept of, you know, in, in the real world, there's this concept of the model minority and that there's often pressure on, you know, if you are the first black person to get to go to a college or if you're one of the few who gets a, a scholarship, then you have to succeed to be like a model for your race. And, you know, that same thing for, mm -hmm. for women and that there's been a very intentional pushback. And then that often it's white people creating that idea. And there's been a real strong pushback of like asking people to be the model like that is really unfair and is really ethically uh, really ethically broken. And on, on some level, I feel there's a little bit of that applies here because, you know, as we've talked about, one of the things that makes Jessica so interesting and, 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 and such an a, uh, important character is that she is one of the only women with powers in this world and thus one of the only women superheroes. And in some ways, I feel like there's that added pressure there of – because she's the only woman, and I think this is somewhat where like, that Trish is very much putting this on her, you know, that because she is a woman with these powers, it's all the more necessary that she go out and be a hero. Um, and I, I think that's very intentional on the part of the writers. And I thought that was a really subtle but very important point. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, I really um, – it's, it's interesting because the whole dichotomy – in, in season two between Jessica and Trish is all centered around this idea about uh, why you should be a hero or why Jessica should be a hero right. and why like people in general should try to do all of the good that they can. And 
from Trisha's perspective, uh, and this is clearly like motivating her, um, it's a case where she knows these things need to be corrected and she goes out of her way to try to make herself capable of doing that, not just to help Jessica, but in some ways to to also to to be that backup or to be that uh, another person who can do this but there's also some some motivations there that are perhaps not quite so noble yeah right i, I mean uh, i definitely we'll get into trish because i definitely mm. think there there's a lack of nobility but, but there. it's interesting that with with her coming from that perspective that trish is pushing jessica to do good but it's never a case where it's always from she's always coming from a perspective of um you have this power if you don't if you don't use it to do good you're clearly not going to use it at all right? right she doesn't present the option of like you could be you could be terrible and then when when uh Jessica's mom shows up there's this really interesting flip where Trish is pretty convinced that Jessica's mom is not curable yeah right uh which of course is one of the big points of divide in their relationship at that point is that they do not agree on what should happen with Jessica's mother. Right. And that, and that's one of the big questions we're going to get into is what should have happened with Jessica's mother. But just to say on Jessica for one more moment, I, I, I do think that in a way, well, let me, let me set this up is that the question I'm going to ask you is, do you think that at the end of the show, Jessica has decided to be a hero? Because well, let me just, let me just frame it because I think one of the things that's most interesting is when I think of a hero, one of the defining things that I think of is, you know, a person who protects their family, who protects their own interests, might be doing heroic things in that regard, but that's not quite what I think of as a hero. The hero to me is the person who finds out about the stranger who's in danger. Um, I didn't mean that rhyme, but the stranger who's in trouble and goes out to help them. You know, and I will say one thing I liked about this season of Jessica Jones is that the scale of this is very small. We don't have some mastermind who is going to destroy the city. We don't have someone like Kilgrave who just has this power he can use on everyone and anyone. Um, you know, and, and, and there's that idea of like someone has to step up so it has to be me. This situation is very personal to Jessica. It is very specifically her problem to deal with. Um, you can imagine some other hero stepping in and being like this person who I have no idea who they are is doing all these bad things. I've got to stop them. But for Jessica, it is a very personal situation, and she sees that her mother is killing innocent people, but it's still very connected to her own relationship with her mother. And to me, I, that is one thing I liked about the show, but I also think it really puts an interesting question on the end of, is Jessica ending up a hero? Because, you know, she did all this in a very personal relationship, but I don't know what that means she's going to do for the next situation. So I think there are hints at the end of the season that Jessica might be making more of a, an attempt to reach out to her community. Right. Um, but I do think it is unclear whether Jessica's actually decided to make the, the choice to get involved. Um, in fact, uh, Trish and Jessica have an argument about it, right? Uh, right toward the end of the season, then Trish walks off and then apparently has super reflexes now or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so there's that. But I think that it's something that they are looking to explore in the next uh, piece of media that, that Jessica shows up in, whether it be another season of Jessica Jones or whether it be uh, the second season of Defenders. Um, because I do think that's that's a 
it's a question that was asked at the beginning of the season and throughout it, and was never really answered yeah. uh, to any degree of satisfaction. I feel, and I think that's that's good in a way because if we keep presenting these stories as, um, I've got powers, therefore I'm going to do this thing, we we establish that idea, right? We continue to hammer this idea of because you can do a thing, you must now do that thing, and that's. You know, the, the choice is very important. Right. And it's very important to have Jessica have, or for any character to have, a motivation that makes sense for them. And right now I think that there's some there's some ties that she's making that would make sense to me that she'd go that way. That she would start to go, out, no, I care more. I, I start caring about all these people around me. I care about their well-being. It's not just about uh, my place in... It's not just about... Uh, my place in uh, my own little private world, it's about New York. I start caring about New York. Uh, we kind of had that in Defenders, but again, I don't think the execution was really good there. I don't think it made sense that every character was necessarily driving toward being um, being a defender of New York, but rather uh, they got involved in it, and then they were they were in it regardless of what they were going to do. Is that... that uh, we should really do a, an entire cast actually about uh, heroism under duress because yeah. that is a very common trope uh, where our, you know, these guys are going to come at you whether you like it or not. So you're going to have to deal with the bad guys. Uh, and is that really heroic or is it just people doing what has to be done to save themselves and there happen to be uh, good consequences as a result? No, I think that's a really good question. And I will say, again, without spoiling anything, um, but in Luke Cage, Luke does wrestle with a similar question. And th there's an interesting interplay because obviously he, Danny Rand has a very different perspective on the question. And I, and it, it winds up working as a part of the, um, the Luke Cage to, um, um, conversations. And I, it makes me wish that, honestly, although I didn't love Defenders, I would love to see Defenders Season 2 because I, I do think that the interplay of those characters, I would love to see I would love to see Luke and Jessica have this conversation together. Probably with Danny every now and then chiming in and being like, let's be heroes, and the two of them smacking him down because he's an idiot. But you know, I, I think that'd be a great conversation. Or if they discover Matt Murdock is still alive. You know, whatever the hell is gonna happen there. And then he says, um, I was a hero once. It was horrible. Yeah, exactly. I no it that's uh, I'm I'm not thrilled with what how they ended with um Matt Murdock. But different question. Um but anyway, yeah, no, because I, I, I think you're right. I think that Jessica has ended to me I think what she's trying to do is is she's deciding to be a hero on her own terms like she's not going to sign up with the Avengers she's not going to be um you know the hero that everyone expects her to but she is going to do the heroic things that she thinks she needs to she's do me your friendly neighborhood Jessica Jones exactly um and I I oh yeah the conversation I would love to see is between her and Peter Parker oh I yeah mean, that's, for sure um, although I mean it would be difficult for her to take him seriously, given he's very cheaty. Yeah, um, very. That would be a, a great discussion. But, and, and I will say that in that regard, I, I am not um, a huge. I've not read all of the Jessica Jones comics, but I've read a good deal of them. And that idea of her, my, my understanding is, uh, if I, I read them many years ago, but my memory is that she at one point was a member of the Avengers. Yep. And part of the reason why she kind of dropped out, well, A, she was really bad at flying, but but even, which I kind of wish they would bring in somehow. They did. But, she says, I jump really high and it's awkward. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, but I, what I really wish is that they would, so they just mention that idea, is that, you know, have some element of someone from the Avengers trying to recruit her 
um, and her sort of saying, no, because, you know, I'm not ever going to be the Captain America model of hero. Um, so with all of that in mind, let's look at the, the main situation that forces her to sort of question, does she want to be heroic or not, which is what to do about Jessica's mother. Um, uh, Jessica's, you know, the, it's, she's um, a wonderful character who's introduced um, and for a while we don't really know who she is and we get a great backstory and things like that. And it becomes, you know, sort of the central idea, it seemed, of Civil War and some of these other things was, well, so far all of you people with great power are using them responsibly. What happens when you don't? And how do we trust if you don't? And in in a lot of ways, I felt like this season of Jessica Jones really pushes that question because it gives us a character who is not just a supervillain in that she is, you know, ah, ha, ha, I'm going to use my powerful evil. She is someone who wants to use their powers for good, or at least use them for neutral causes. And for reasons that are not, you know, for her to blame originally, I mean, she's been very, very fucked with, um, has a lot of mental damage for that, for that reason. And she's portrayed as very sympathetically for that. But because of that, she is unable to control herself sometimes. And as a result, people often die. Um, and, and to me, this poses such an interesting moral question because it's now, you know, Jessica Jones is, is – uh, I, I, I don't want to keep saying Jessica Jones' mother. What Do you remember the character's name? Alyssa. Alyssa, Alyssa that's name. right. Okay, thank you. Um, but so we've got this interesting situation. You know, she is a, a fully formed human being. She should have all the rights of that. But also for reasons that are not entirely within her control, she is a public danger. Um, and And to me, that – and a public danger outside of the normal ability of law enforcement to deal with because she is, uh, you, you know, so not only a, this sort of brings up all the questions of like someone who is severely mentally ill and thus harms other people. And like, what's the, how do you balance the fact that they don't have moral culpability for that with the fact that they also need society needs to be protected from them with the fact that our ability to protect society from someone like Alyssa is greatly limited because of her powers. Um, so yeah, to me that was that that was kind of the central moral question of this of the of this season, and I'm I, I wasn't really thrilled with how they answered it. But so I'm curious for you, how, what did you think of of let's start, before we even get into how the show answered it? How do you think it should be answered? So uh, it's deeply complicated. It has to be something like the um, so we just just like we have a uh, a group of individuals uh, who are ostensibly under one one branch of our government who are responsible for the uh, enforcement of our laws right. right um and just enforcement of our laws not uh you know they're not re- they're not responsible for passing judgment right the court system can still handle people like Alyssa. right um but it's it's you know how do we apprehend how do we control in these situations or how do we deal with with people and, like killer croc and clayface right. right like this like this kind of character who- and, and to be clear what you said about the difference between law enforcement and the and the court system, that's how it should be. Cops yeah. pass judgment all the time. Right, they right, right, right. But, yes. I, but yeah, I'm speaking that, from an idealistic uh, interpretation of <laughs> how our society is supposed to work based on what's written down. In, anyway, um, so – but yes, the, the, the same thing needs to apply, right? We have to be able to I – mean, everybody who's a public danger, we have to be able to responsibly contain that. Um, and for that to work in the same way, there would almost have to be like a, a governmental agency who is responsible for 
the the apprehension of these kinds of people. I don't know. Maybe you could call it Shield or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like you know, if only Shield existed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in that right. world, maybe they could help deal with Alyssa Jones. But but sadly, they're just you know they they don't exist. Well, but here's the, I think it's so important you brought up that example because you know I am very much on that side. I am on Team Tony as we've discussed before. I I do think that there needs to be some kind of governmental agency outside of um, the, the hero themselves. And I'm going to talk about that later because I think Jessica Jones's judgment is severely compromised in this decision. But the counterargument is that just like what we were saying with the police, you know, we can be as idealistic as we want and say, no, we can form this neutral third party governmental agency like S.H.I.E.L.D. and they will be fair and just. But it, it's not like S.H.I.E.L.D. just doesn't exist for no reason at all. They don't exist because they were compromised and corrupted. And and so the immediate counter argument to that is, but how can you ever trust an agency like that? Because they can be corrupted by Hydra the way. Well, she how do was. we trust the cops on the streets now? Uh, like, don't <laughs> right? But like, this is you don't you don't build structures and societies based on well, what if everything breaks down? With everything breaks down, you don't have a society anymore. Congratulations. Agreed. You have to have a set of principles in place uh, to to guide them in the right direction. And if they fail, they fail that happens like you you can't plan for that what are you gonna hit like i guess you can have like multiple different layers of 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 um effectively internal investigations for each agency uh on and on and then you end up with a a bureaucratic system that's so bogged down nothing gets done so and you're you're talking about a police force where action especially in cases where these there's these highly dangerous individuals is very important so my answer to that is basically like tough shit if it breaks down like that happens but like what are you going to do not solve the problem i think the the individual hero who you know bootstraps himself up and and solves everything and is basically a vigilante uh, executing both enforcement and judgment of every villain they come across and just throwing them into arkham asylum or whatever (laughs) is just throwing that out there as a possible name you know they called it the raft in this but it's the same kind of idea right right, where there was not really much of a talk of like okay she has to stand trial for what she's done if i recall correctly i mean it's been it's been a minute now since i've seen jessica jones season two but i don't recall seeing Alyssa having a day or or months in court right uh which is how it should work still um particularly if it was a situation where they had her in prison for a while they had her in a cell for a while, did she ever uh, sit before even a couple of lawyers and a judge? She sat before some lawyers. Right. Was there a judge involved? No. I so so there's a couple things there. First of all, in terms of like that, I I was bringing up the point about Shield, not necessarily to be devil's advocate, but because I think that's the common response to the point you're making, and I do agree with you um, as to the why. Although I would say I, I don't want to be quite so cavalier about what well, the system is going to break down. Who gives it? And I don't I don't think you meant that either. I think. To me, I mean, like, both in that world and in the real one, I think we have to be – we have to realize that when we give a group of people like the police or like S.H.I.E.L.D. power, we are – here, Peter Parker uh, um, model absolutely applies. You know, great power comes great responsibility. In our own country, there is nowhere near enough monitoring and oversight of the police, and and that has to be fundamentally changed. And similarly in this world, I think – the, the utter breakdown that allowed S.H.I.E.L.D. to become HYDRA is a sign of, you know, huge across-the-board, you know, failure to do what needed to be done. 
to me, that's not a reason to never try to do Shield again. That's a reason to try to do it in a much better way. Right. Um, I, I'm I'm glad you're you're saying this because uh, the point I was attempting to make was that the the argument was was reductive. Right. right. It doesn't doesn't accomplish anything. And so that's why I was being very dismissive. I'm not dismissive of the fact that systems break down because when when something like that happens in an enforcement agency, it's a big freaking problem. Right. But it's not a reason to not have the system in place. Right. Or at least to have some kind of a system if you want to fundamentally change the system. Um, and, and But I think well, – so in terms of the legal stuff, my memory – and, and we both haven't watched it in a couple of months. But my memory is that there's at least some acknowledgement of that – I think she at, least, at one point like has a parole hearing in front of a judge right. or something that, like that. That does happen, right. Um, yeah. And that there – the idea is basically where is she going to be held for sort of pre-trial? You know, is she going to be held on the raft before a trial or maybe not ever have a trial? Or is she going to be held, you know, in a, in the in, in police, or is Jessica is going to say take her into personal custody? And and you asked me that this whole thing started off, sorry, because you asked me where I th- what I think should have happened. Yeah. At the culmination of the season, I think it's clear that uh, Alyssa should go to the raft. Yeah. There's just she's she's capable of doing great good, but she's clearly she needs time away from all these random stimuli that are our world that right. could set her off because she's a danger to herself and others. Well, and, and she needs to, and I, I think, I think we'd both agree that when we say send her to raft, we don't mean, we mean have her go through a trial and a sentencing, but that both, you know, you know, while she's before the trial, you know, no bail. And then after the trial, if she's sentenced to be to a place like the raft right. and, which and is, make sure there's, there's measures in place to contain her while she's in court, because, right. Again, not very many people there are capable of dealing with her other than in a lethal manner. And what we're trying to do is be humane and not kill her. Right. And I think and that's that's one of the key points is that she's just not able to survive in the normal just in the in a prison system. Right. Or, or she's, the prison system can't contain her. Right. And and that's where we get to what is, to me, the main takeaway I have, which is and, and I, I think it does tie back into civil war. And and to me, one of the main ethical questions of civil war in a way that I really loved, which is. For me, one of the biggest problems I have with Civil War is that when Scarlet Witch takes action that causes the death of a number of people, you know, the question now becomes, like, should she be punished? What should happen to her? What oversight is needed? And on some level, what what Cap is saying is, I trust her and you all should trust me. And, And saying that no outside authority should be the ones to judge, is Scarlet Witch safe to go in the field or not? You know, I don't think there's any question that Scarlet Witch acted maliciously. It's just a question, you know, it's like if a police officer doesn't get any real training and goes out into the field and shoots someone on their first day on the job, you don't blame that officer as much as you blame the people who put him on the, on the streets with a gun. Yep. And I think in the same way, we can ask, like, is Cap, does he have the perspective to be able to make that judgment about Scarlet Witch? The way I think it connects is, in a way, I think Jessica Jones is basically claims the same right that Cap does because Jessica Jones says, let me decide, you know, she mm-hmm. talks the prison into letting her mother stay in the prison instead of going to the raft. She says, let me take some responsibility for this because she says, I don't think my mother is going to hurt someone. Jessica is wrong. And because of that, people die. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things I didn't like about the show is that I felt like the, the show didn't deal with, jessica's moral culpability for those deaths but to me it's certainly under but whether whether we think on that to me it's certainly underlined the idea that whatever we decide about what should happen to Alyssa, it can't be jessica making that decision because 
Jessica's perspective is compromised. And as a result, people died. Yeah. And, and so, like, obviously, you could tell by my expression that I didn't necessarily agree with you on, right. on uh, whether we dealt with her moral culpability. But one thing we can agree on is that it should never have been her decision in the first place. She is way too invested. And it's it's very clear from, from moment one that she's not uh, using her, her good decision-making that right. she's because I mean, and and why should she have to in this situation? Yeah. She, of course, she's incredibly emotionally invested. She thought her entire family was dead, including this woman. Who and when she finds out that Alyssa's still alive, that her mom's still alive, yeah, of course she wants to do whatever it takes to make sure that she can like try to establish a relationship with her mother again. And she probably can't. Like I, I doubt they have visitation on the raft because they probably have to have an absurd ridiculous gulag style security on the raft like so she's she's trying very very hard out of a a sense of self-interest but also a sense of love right yeah it's, just, it's this she clearly can't she, she clearly can't think clearly when it came to her mother but there weren't very many people who were truly empowered to be able to take that decision away from her and the way the decision is ultimately taken away from her was also deeply problematic. Right. With, with Trisha's action. We'll get to that to be sure. And and I guess you, when, when I talk about Jessica's moral culpability for that, there, there is some truth to the idea that I, I can't really blame Jessica. You know, in some way, like you said, it should be um, very much out of genre. But another one of my favorite television shows is The West Wing. And there's a plot line about how in season four that gets a little in season five that gets a little silly, but in which the president's daughter is kidnapped. And there's a question now of, you know, will the how will the president negotiate with the people who kidnapped his daughter? And when and the president recognizes, like, I cannot be the president of the United States if my daughter's life directly hangs on the decision I make. I am going to recuse myself and let someone else make this decision. And. In a say, and I and I, I love that because it's the acknowledgement of he couldn't possibly make this decision. He can't. He's too compromised. And I and I and in that same kind of vein, I have a ton of sympathy for Jessica. I wish that she had been able to say, "I can't make this decision in that same way." But you're also right. It's the fact that, you know, I like to me what it keeps coming down to that scene where she convinces the cops to let uh, um, Alyssa stay in the prison. And while I, I hold Jessica responsible for that, I also hold the cops who wind up trusting you know her just as much. Um, and I think we could say both sides there. Well, I mean, the that particular police force uh, did actually have to make some sacrifices and pay some prices for that. Right. Uh, Jessica, in, in in one thing that you're definitely right on is Jessica really hasn't had to. There, there hasn't been enough consequence for um, the 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 continuing string of bad decisions that she makes it should have been like when she got into a vehicle and like drove off for canada with Alyssa. that should have been the hint that mm, you know right. what maybe we're not thinking with our with our you know objective brains <laughs> in logic here. mind yeah we're, we're well, not we're clearly doing something that we shouldn't be doing and i guess just to me it, it's you know most of us watch her kill Kilgrave and watch everything leading up to that and think she probably had to kill this person. Like there really was no other option. Mm-hmm. Most of us watch her kill the prison guard who was abusing her mother and think that, that A, this person probably was you know, a really bad person 
and I, I don't like the phrase deserve to die, but like not on my humanitarian list by any means. And also Jessica was in a, a, a struggle with this person and, and killing them was probably what was needed. I, it, I, I, I guess what I'm just saying is I find it troubling that she seems so troubled by the death of Kilgrave, so troubled by the death of that prison guard, but she doesn't, you know, she doesn't, she, to, to me, the death that I think of her, that she should be most morally haunted by is that, is the people who Alyssa kills after Alyssa gets out specifically because Jessica argued for her not to be in the raft. Right. It's this, it's, it's an interesting idea that uh, I would like to see explored more where a hero and it has been explored in other pieces of media, but it not not in this one. And you're absolutely right that she's haunted by the the killings, the the deaths that she is directly responsible for that she did herself. But she's not at all haunted, or at least she she's disturbed, she's perturbed because there it creates consequences for for them. But she doesn't seem to be particularly bothered, or at least not bothered enough to, to take action, by particularly the police officer who gets knocked out of the, the window, right? right? Yeah, that was, again, that should have been the end of the line. Uh, and it should have deeply, deeply affected Jessica, because ultimately she knows that her mother, uh, I think deep down she knows that her mother is not in complete control of herself at all times. And while she tried to talk the police officers down, she had to know that situation was going to break bad. Uh, and like, and then it did. And so she has to have some, she didn't take the action to kill the cop, but in some ways there's, there's some ownership of that. It's not, right. it's, she's not directly responsible, but she owns some of, of what happened there. And that should affect her just as much. I think that that should be the same kind of, I'm responsible for the death of this person in some in some fashion. Yeah. And I do think I clearly in the next iteration of the next time we see Jessica Jones, whether that's in Jessica Jones season three or in Defenders or in something else, I think at some point, maybe, maybe not the next one, but at some point there's obviously going to be some kind of reckoning between Trish and Jessica. And and we'll, we're about to get into that, that particular relationship. But I will say I really hope that's a point Trish brings up. You know, that when Trish is explaining, you know, listen, I think you're, you were, your, your perspective was compromised and you were making bad decisions. And so I had to act again, whatever we think of her action. I hope Trisha points out like, and, and people died because of your actions. You know, you trusted Alyssa when we all said you shouldn't and people died because of that. Right. And unfortunately, because of how the season treated Trisha's arc, I'm not optimistic about that. Yeah. I would really like it if we get jessica and trish in the next season and that's that is our punisher and kingpin multi-charactered uh perspective each one seems to be right mm. type of story i kind of hope that that's what we get that that's what i think would be a very interesting story yeah is that we we sort of delete some of the baggage from trish's arc in in season two is like well she was you know struggling with drug addiction again and so she right. was not completely in her right head but now that she has is a powered individual she starts taking it seriously and develops this this philosophy that runs parallel to jessica's but in some ways runs counter right. and then they end up at odds with each other i think that would be a fantastic story well and so let's use that let's let's use that to jump into a discussion of jessica and trish um and um uh, i want to talk about like is Ju is trish heroic um but before that i wanted to start with um the the point that i started to bring up earlier and this is kind of a meta thing but i want to hear your thoughts on it 
part of why this troubled me is I just really wanted Jess and Trish to be friends. I, as because that is something we so rarely see, you know, I mean, most of the Jessica Trish conversations, like, you know, would make Bechtel dance in the streets. Like were they, sometimes they were about Kilgrave, but most of the time they weren't. Most of the time this was a portrayal of two strong women having a friendship that was a, a very important part of their lives. And we see that so rarely, especially in genre stuff. And yet it is such a cliche of women being jealous of each other and, and, and um, you know. Not, I, not necessarily over this specifically, but yeah. Right. Sure. But that, that kind of thing, I mean, the, the phrase I was about to use was, was, and again, being kind of self-referential to why this is problematic, but that often like the cliche is of cattiness, you know, which right. is ironic given where Trish goes. Um, but, but to me, I guess. Wait, I is just, she Catwoman? No, no, but it's I. Now I'm not going to remember her, but I remember her. Um, the superhero she is clearly becoming is it's something cat in the name. Oh, um, Shadowcat? Is was is that Marvel? Sorry, um, that's off topic. But but uh, yeah, I, I'm going to find that because uh, I really wish I knew that. But um, but yeah. So so what was your take on on before we get into the details? What was your take on having the breakdown of Trish and Jessica's relationship be a central plot arc? So uh, I'm not going to lie, it hurt. Um, I didn't, I didn't enjoy seeing that in a lot of ways because I felt that it, it felt a little too forced. Like this is where they wanted the plot to go and this is how they got there. Oh, Hellcat, of course. Hellcat, that's, that's yeah. the name that she becomes. Yep. Yeah, Patsy Walker. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, um, so the, the thing is the, so you could say that we had a similar breakdown of a friendship that was really meaningful to us with Matt Murdock and, uh, and Foggy. Um, and while there are some parallels to be drawn there, I think you really hit the nail on the head with the, the impetus for Matt and Foggy's relationship breaking down was trust, right? right. There, was a, there was a fundamental trust there that Matt violated. And I think it Foggy very correctly reacted to that as a betrayal. Um, whereas Jessica and Triss's relationship breaks down for, again, as you pointed out, and I'm so glad you brought this up, it was centered all in a lot of ways on Triss's jealousy of Jessica's ability to to do these things, to, right. to take the actions and be the difference that Trish wanted to see in the world. Part of it was she was clearly getting frustrated with all of this messed up crap, but also with Jessica not being at all interested in the people that made her right. who she was. And, and to be clear here, I, the point I'm making is kind of meta in that I do, as the characters are presented to us, I do find believable that Trish would have these reactions and that it would cause a breakdown in their friendship. To me, it's more, but like in the same way, I find it believable that when a male character finds his girlfriend's head in a fridge, he would really have a troubled emotional reaction to that. I find it believable, but I find it an incredibly cliched, you know, overplayed Trophy. story that I just don't want to see again. Yeah. And, and that's kind of more what I see here is I just feel like Matt and Foggy, we, there are so many examples of great male friendship. Um, you know, and as you and I talked about, we, we sometimes have, have issues with, with the way that like, you know, to, uh, that, that sometimes get looked at through different lenses, but, but still like, I don't, I didn't feel like, oh God, Matt and Foggy was the only male friendship, but now we lost it. And that is kind of how, you know, Black Widow doesn't really have, uh, you know, Black Widow and Scarlet Witch don't have any kind of real connection to each other. And not by no means, I don't mean that like 
I don't want every female superhero to be best friends with each other. I mean, that's just as problematic. Um, but but to have the, the the relationship between Jessica and 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 Trish was so important uh, as, as a part of both of those characters in season one. I, I just hated losing it and and losing it for such a cliched reason. That was just kind of my only yeah, point. Yeah, no, no, and and, and I, I'm I'm agreeing with you that I I don't. I don't mind the friendship breaking down as a plot element. I think that, like, in a lot of ways, characters need that in order for writers to justify them growing in some way. Yeah. And I think that it's one of the things that they, they needed to they needed to kick kick Jessica out of her funk. That sounds really wrong. But, like, they needed to break through her shell and get to a place where she, like, get her where it hurts in order to break her out of the cycle that she was in after Kilgrave and enduring Kilgrave, right. honestly, because like, don't get me wrong. They could have an entire show about a character who just continually, continually is suffering, but that's a different show than I think the one they want to tell. They want to tell us a hero story. Right. And so for, they needed, they needed something to get Jessica to get emotionally invested in what's happening around her in order to to be the change that she wanted to see or whatever like trophy right. nonsense you want to say but like and and so choosing to to make that friendship break down as as part of that impetus that in and of itself I don't think is a problem but the way it was done just yeah. really upsetting and upsetting from Trish's motivations as well because I feel it is definitely portrayed in a way where Trish is being very selfish and that really bothered me. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, we start with kind of the question of are Trisha's motivations heroic? And I would say not at all. You know, to me, um, like, they're very relatable and they come from a place of, like, I think Trish has been victimized at, at various points in her life. And so she has a sympathy for others and she wants to protect that. And there is something noble about right. that. But there's also it's not quite white knight syndrome because I think white knight does specifically apply to, to the way men are socialized, but it is a, a, a woman version of that, of that. It is a, I need to fix these things. And, and it, and then, and a lot of it I think comes from, and again here as Netflix does so often, most of the times when people do terrible things, they do them for reasons that we find very believable and relatable. Right. Trish had this awful childhood and that one of the results of this and her awful mother is that Trish is now constantly looking for a source of identity and that Trish is looking for a cause. And so I find very believable that she would do this. Yeah, she, I, she developed a hero complex, which is very ironic when you, right. when you look at the, the lens we're looking through. And, and I guess there, and I think this is kind of what you were saying, this is where I do think that, yeah, it, it's not that I need them to be bestest buddies throughout the whole show. It's that I feel like, you could have had a really interesting story where at the same time that Jessica doesn't want to be a hero, Trish desperately does want to be a hero. And and they have a bad fight and they have some time apart, but to some extent like Trish becoming more heroic helps to more inspire Jessica like and in some way in some way that they reconcile at the end. I think I would have been okay with because we, they've shown that they have had bad fights in the past before and that we see one during their flashbacks and any any friendship is going to go through something like that. It's the fact that, first of all, what Trish does to Malcolm is just so, you know, beyond the pale to me in some ways. And then what Trish does in shooting Alyssa, um, which let's 
we don't even need to discuss the idea that I don't think Punisher could hit that shot with a handgun. Um, like, two or 300 feet at night against the wind. Very ridiculous, but... But remember, we don't know yet at that time, but remember, it is entirely possible her powers are starting to manifest. If her powers are some kind of ridiculous aiming of guns, sure. Um, there's I, a, there's a, a hyperkinesis. I think it's something like that, okay. but yeah, yeah. And maybe that's in- – I, I hope that's intentional because if the writers wanted us to believe that Trish could just hit that shot normally, I'm rolling my eyes very seriously. But But even beyond that, I feel like what Trish does to Malcolm and what Trish does to Alyssa, whether or not we think she does the right thing to Alyssa, which that will be the next thing we get to, but to me those those are – you can't just go back and fix the friendship after that. I feel like those are such breaking issues that – I, I, it really made me sad because it made me feel like this isn't a a friend, a relationship that's, that's solvable anymore. Yeah. And it, I, I hated the culmination of it that like it clearly, clearly the writers wanted to just completely destroy this, this friendship. And also just getting back to the gun thing, just for one second. Also, to be fair, we have seen many characters go to a firing range with a pistol in various forms of media and like practice for a bit and then start making shots like that. I don't find it any less believable than any other character doing that. That's in a, pop- in a I, this one show. still seemed even worse than others, but you may be right. I'm uh, not, I'm not sure that's true. I'm going to okay. push back on that. But, I'm not but again, sure side true. issue. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, but the, the, the whole thing, they clearly wanted to just destroy I think permanently right. that friendship um, and maybe to build something else from the ground up, but like, and, and maybe to just eliminate Jessica's entire support structure so that she'd have to build a new one. Right. And maybe that's like, that that was the whole point, but it still seems to me like that was just going super far and it, and it put a finality on it that I feel like wasn't particularly earned. Yeah. Because even though they were arguing about it, I don't the the thing I don't believe about the shot isn't that the shot hit its target; is that Trish pulled the trigger. I just don't believe that somebody who was who was a close friend like that would take that decision from their friend uh, f- about the life and fate of their friend's mother. Right. That I think Trish the the narrative was they were building was that Trish would keep making. We would keep pushing Jess to make the right choice, not go, okay, you're compromised, and now I'm going to kill your mother. Right. I think it would be you're compromised, and now I'm going to set up a situation where the cops come to take her away to the raft. Right. And and here I think there's two different issues. One issue is do we believe Trish would make that decision, and should she have made that decision? And I think we're going to disagree on the second one, but let's first just start with the first one of would Trish make it, which I, I hear where you're coming from. I, I, I think to me it was quite believable for Trish for, for two reasons. One is it, – it's sort of a – you can see – depending on how you see her relationship to Jessica. If you see her relationship to Jessica in a fairly – still having like that she still cares for Jessica in some small way, I think that she has two important reasons to take the shot. One is I think she sort of feels like this would completely break Jessica to have to do it, and so she sort of has to do it for Jessica. The second is, I think, and I, I think with some justification, that it's possible she thinks Jessica is in danger. 
that she thinks that Jessica and her mother are in this sort of small compartment and Jessica's going to try and say some hard things to her and her mother might just kill her. And, and, and that's a situation. And, where... and, and to me, that's one where I can make it sense. But the other part is if you go all the way to the other end of, of Trish's motivations and see them in a more negative light, I can also believe it because I think for that part of Trish that is very jealous of Jessica and is very mad at Jessica and that wants to show that she can be the hero Jessica can't, here's the perfect opportunity to show that she will quite literally do the thing that Jessica won't do. And I, I mean, I do think that Trish is at that point in time convinced that Jessica, that the only way to deal with Alyssa is to kill her. Yeah. And that there's no, there's no way to contain this threat, which they're, they they're containing bigger threats in the MCU. So like, that's clearly, mm-hmm. but, but, but if, if, if one is convinced that that le- the use of lethal force is the only way to stop her and especially if she thinks that as you as you brought up if she thinks that um Jessica's in danger now the narrative makes sense to me that's the one that makes that makes the most sense i could also believe that she's still in a troubled state mentally there and it is that that yeah. motivation of i'm going to prove to you that that i am the hero that you should be right. um but that just that comes out of such a a jealous and selfish and 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 it comes from a place I don't feel is earned even after everything we saw in yeah. the show. That and I think there I'd agree with you. I feel like the character by by the end of the season, I believe that the character who they are now telling us Trish is would pull that trigger. Yeah. I don't I just... believe that Trish would ever become that character. And so like they have taken her to a place that I don't believe, but I do believe that if she had gotten to that place, that's what she would. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's but I think fair. that is kind of what you're saying. Of yeah. it, it's the lead up to that that you have it trouble was, believing. It was. It was the big um, sort of smudge on the season that made me go, "Hmm, can't be as good yeah. as season one because season one didn't have this big of a problem, and the treatment of Trish Walker throughout the season was just a major problem for me, and I don't. I don't like it. I don't know why. I don't re- like. I understand some of the narrative reasons for it, but like, and and it culminates in that moment, and that's like the whole thing. It, any other character, like if that had been Malcolm mm-hmm. making the decision, I think the season would have ended a little bit better for me. Yeah, in some ways, I can, especially after Malcolm when he goes through with Trish, yeah. even more so. I could very much believe Malcolm doing that. Yeah. Um. So, but let's get to the other question of. From the ethical perspective, you know, taking off our critic hats again and just taking on putting on the ethic hats, should Trish have done this? I, I'm guessing you, you're pretty strongly against. So I'm, yeah, with 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 a pretty large asterisk asterisk because it is true, right, that there are situations where where lethality is your only option, where lethal force is your only option when dealing with with a, a threat to the well-being of yourself and those around you. Um, in that particular moment, nobody was in danger. And I feel the, I feel like in that part, because of that, I cannot be get, get behind taking the shot. If one of the cops had shot uh, Alyssa in the scene uh, in the scene in the hospital, Right, that was the hospital where where right. a guy got knocked out a window, and Alyssa had died as a result of that. One hundred percent okay with that. Yeah. That somebody was definitely in danger. Use of lethal force makes sense, um, and I do think that it, it 
situations like that, the lethal force has to be informed by what's happening now. Because if we don't have to kill them now, then especially with Alyssa, she's not like a complete psychopath, right? She she has she has some mental problems, but those there there are situations there's there's things that we could potentially do to 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 bring her back to a functioning member of society, and I think that she's clearly nurturing enough that's worth the investment. So is it yes I'm you, you can call me a bleeding heart if you want. I don't care. My heart bleeds <laughs> a lot. And that's totally fine. Uh that's you know how blood gets to other areas of my body. Uh <laughs> but no no like I, seriously, I feel like imprisonment is an option and some kind of corrective imprisonment would be even better some kind of you know right. seeing a, a mental health care professional and getting her to trying to get her back to a place where she can function yeah okay so you've made a, a per, more persuasive case that is that is bringing me around somewhat i think especially in terms of the like i i do think the the argument of you know the, the, you can't just kill a person because you think they're dangerous, they have to pose a lethal danger in the moment. Or they have to be a monster. Right. Right? Like, uh, so, like, I think Jessica could have killed Kilgrave earlier in the season. One of Jessica Jones, I don't know, well, but, like... So, so, actually, that was exactly where I was going, is because, to me, and this is in some ways, it, it's, to me, killing Kilgrave, in some ways, it's, it, it's, it's sort of half-destroying an evil, but half of it is just, like, putting down a scorpion. Because there's an extent to which, and as Kilgrave himself says... He cannot turn his power off. You know, he is always going to be a danger because he will always be able, at any moment, he can simply, he has that power. And he cannot be contained for that reason, and that's right. the big problem. Right. In a way that I do think that Alyssa could be, because her power is, you know, Captain America can fight her and possibly beat her in a fight. Jessica Jones can probably beat her in a fight, um, or at least hold her own. And certainly the two of them, you know, two heroes together could probably take her down. Um. I, and so, and in that particular, in that moment, but I guess I also feel like one of the things that Alyssa has set up is, A, first of all, from Trisha's perspective, at least, and from anyone's perspective, we've tried putting her in prison. It didn't work. Granted, we didn't put her in the prison we should have, but we have tried and it didn't work. We have tried trusting Jessica to bring her in. Yeah, that, that didn't, didn't work. work. And, and from that perspective, I can understand Trisha's perspective of... I am once Jessica knows that I'm here, I will never be able to take this shot again, and Jessica will probably help this person escape. Right. And I don't love that Trisha does it. I should, I hate it from the I said from the relationship with her two characters. I don't think it's the right thing for her to do, but I don't entirely think it's the wrong. Like I I am that is, really That is a really important distinction to I make. I think it's a real gray area where of all the things that – like to me, I would say what Trish does to Malcolm is significantly worse than what she does to Alyssa. I would say that both Trish and Jessica have, have done seriously ethically broken things. I think Trish shooting Jessica – shooting Alyssa is on that list, but I don't think it's at the top of either. Like I certainly don't end the season thinking the worst thing that any character did was Trish shooting Alyssa. Right. Or – um. Uh... Yeah, so so it's not like uh, with Punisher where he does a lot of ethically problematic things all the time, right? There's there's a couple of relationship problems that we have yeah. in in Jessica Jones, um, but 
the yeah the the not right not necessarily wrong is a, i think a really good way to put it because there are as i mentioned there are multiple situations that came up during the show where it was all like yes this is clearly the right thing to do in this moment is to kill Alyssa because that that causes the fewest deaths or at least is a a zero sum game for deaths but the person who was proactive about it who was guaranteed to be doing a thing is gone um so so the the goodness this is it's just a difficult thought to express that the um the big issue isn't that isn't whether it's right or wrong to kill period it's it's again it's it's in that moment and because in that moment there are some very realistic interpretations of that situation that would lead me down a path of saying nope this this person has to die now just like I would have been led down that path, you know, meeting Kilgrave once ever, um, like that, that makes me go, okay, it, I can't just say you were clearly in the wrong here. Yeah. Would I have done it? No. Do I think it is ethically right? No, but I don't think we can completely condemn Trish for take just for take the action of taking the shot. Yeah. And I, I mean, in some ways I feel like there are two very different damages that happen when she takes a shot. One is the literal killing of Alyssa. The other is the incredible mental and psychic anguish it's going to cause Jessica of watching her mother be murdered right in front of her in her favorite childhood. So, I mean, she, she basically, like, if there is any single action that is going to most break Jessica Jones's mentality and mental state is exactly what Trish does. And in some ways, and I don't mean to in any way like demean the value of Alyssa's life or of killing her. But I, in some ways I feel like almost that's the, the one that I'm more like, okay, I sort of understand why you felt like you had to do this to Alyssa, but how could you possibly justify to yourself doing this to, to Jessica? Yeah. Um, and that's where I do think her, her, more, you know, her perspective is just as much compromised because I feel like Trish is able to convince herself that this is what Jessica needs. And this to me is where, I mean, I kind of hope they don't do this, but this could be the setting up of Trish as Hellca Hellcat as the next big big bad. Because what do we keep saying is the thing that we want all our villains to do is we want our villains to do the wrong thing, utterly convinced that they're doing it for the right reasons. Right. And, and that their own sort of issues are what fool them into thinking that. And I certainly think on some level that, that Trish – I think Trish 100 percent believes that she is helping Jessica. In the same way, I think Kingpin believes he's helping the city, and I think they're both just as wrong. So, interestingly, like, there is a way they could spin that story, right? That where where Hellcat is the villain of the next season, or the antagonist of the next season. Because to be clear, I don't want that yeah. by any means. Because yeah, this season really didn't have a villain, right? Yeah. It had a lot of different antagonists spun in a lot of different ways, but there was no central big bad, uh, which is kind of cool, actually. I really liked yeah. that. Um, but if they were, were to make Hellcat the big bad of the next season, it would be a narrative where it's, it's not, it would be a narrative that, that would be interesting to see, yeah. uh, because then you would have a story centered around, um, yeah, to be frank, you have a story centered around two women. 
And I think that would be a very interesting plot line because we don't see a ton of that kind of a thing, right? Um, there's always, I mean, and there, there are supporting characters. I guess we, we kind of see it in some ways in like Buffy season five with with Buffy and Glory, right. where the big bad and, and Buffy are. But Glory was not, was, <laughs> there's, there's was a, a problematic there. character yeah. as well for many reasons. And, and I, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, it is not the story I want. I want to see Trish and Jessica reconcile, although now I, I don't. It's weird because I feel like I want to see them reconcile. I also How? feel like they'd have to erase so much of what happened that I wouldn't believe them reconciling. Um, but I think you're right. I, I don't want Trish Hellcat to turn into an antagonist. I, I think, though, that you're right. That would be interesting on some levels. I also think you're right that um, one of the things that I, I did like about this season, and I, I, I've seen some other Marvel stuff recently go this way, which I also really appreciate, is to not build... You know, so often I think comic book TV shows and movies, we feel like the the plot has to be built around the big bad and the big bad's plot and the big bad's evil plan has to almost come to fruition before our hero stops it and either kills or arrests the, the big bad. And I like breaking that mold and I hope more because to me, we're then not as much doing a classic superhero show. We're just doing a show about people and telling a story some of whom happen to have superpowers. And it, and it gives us more gray area, which which allows us to have more ethically interesting yes. things to talk about. <laughs> uh, well, but, oh. and, and seriously, because if we, if we want to talk meta-ethics for a second, um, there is a kind of a problem with an idea of you've got this one central big bad uh, that's responsible for all of the bad, and if you get rid of them, everything's fixed. There's a problem with that idea being so pervasive in our culture right where it's like okay if you just if you just take out this one person right or this, get get rid of this one organization then everything that's wrong in the world will go away and that's just not how the world works and so i like the the whole the more nuanced approach yeah. and like i think a lot of people don't think of it this way because um so so the movie i'm going to raise as an example of this and i realize some people might raise an eyebrow to it is dark knight because yes the culmination of Dark Knight is the battle between not even Joker, uh, Batman and Joker, but Batman and, and Joker's minions and the battle for Batman to undo joke, Joker's plot. But I feel like to me, the central conflict of that movie is not Joker, is not Batman versus Joker. It is Batman versus Gordon versus Dent discussing how to deal with crime in a system with a corrupt police force while Joker is happily throwing grenades into the middle of that discussion and, and pointing out the absurdity of things um, and, and, and being the sort of anarchic force. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'd like to see more things. And there's <clears> – I don't want to spoil anything, but there's something else that came out um, that, that does that that I look forward to talking about at some later point because it's – I really like there wasn't a single antagonist in that kind of way. Um, I want us to start wrapping up, and so I want to just see if we can um, – if, if you have any other kind of last thoughts or comments about Jessica Jones that we haven't gotten to make. So uh, we, we talked about the character uh, sort of ancillarily throughout the discussion, but I do want to point out that I really like what they're doing with the character of Malcolm. Um, as somebody who, you know, when we were introduced to him, he was, you know, a completely wrecked uh, drug addict and, and sort of a, a – sort of a couple of steps away from being a vagrant, which I thought was deeply problematic for, for the character, given the race of his actor, quite frankly. Um, and the way that he's improving himself 
and like developing in in a way you know he's he's making deals with the devil but like this is marvel this is what they do like right. every single character ends up in a, a situation like this but the way that he's he's um you know sort of figuring out how to how to fix up his own life and eventually cuz the relationship between him and Jessica was was pretty abusive on on Jessica's part um and so like the the way that he's kind of freed himself from that abuse is sort of empowering for for his character in a way and I kind of like that. See that's interesting because I I really like his his character development but I saw it very differently. I don't see him as being empowered. Well, I, I mean, he is yes somewhat no. but I see that he's I I mean, he's really breaking bad. He's right. getting in with some really bad people. And to me and again, I I I hope the writers know this and did this intentionally. Like I feel like what they're showing is yet yeah, just how much his relationship with Jessica was abusive and how much that damaged him yep. and that led him to this. And to me, it sets up a question of who did more damage to, 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 um, uh, to, to Malcolm, Jessica Jones or Kilgrave, because Kilgrave was the one who put him on the streets, put him into this drug addictive situation, obviously really fucked him up. But then he wound up placing so much trust in Jessica to like, and, and maybe some of that trust was undeserved and Jessica certainly didn't want it. But she wound up really hurting him in some way, in, in, in a lot of ways, nowhere near as badly as Kilgrave did, but in some ways worse. Right. Um, and I, that is one dynamic I, I'm really interested in and really want to see and, where it and goes. And I think that's going to actually be one of the arcs that we see uh, in the next season is that uh, now that Jessica is starting to connect with the people around her more, I think she's going to – I think she's going to realize that you know, in her, in her sort of taciturn way, uh, there were some things that, that went wrong poorly yeah in her treatment of malcolm and sort of like doing that aa thing where you have to deal with all the people that that you hurt um along the way and i think that that's an interesting thing to explore um both because like and not that not that i think that you know we necessarily need to see more scenes of women apologizing to men in media (laughs) don't get me wrong um, in this particular situation, you know, it does seem as though some kind of reconciliation is warranted. Right. And that's a relationship that could rec- be reconciled a lot easier than Jessica and Trish. Right. No, and I, I think there's a lot of truth there. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's I think, kind of our take on this. I think it was, it was um, I think you enjoyed the season a lot more, but I certainly felt like the season gave us some good stuff to, to talk about. Um, I certainly enjoyed it more than Luke Cage. Then, uh, oh no, I did not enjoy it as much as Luke Cage, but I certainly enjoyed it more than um, Iron Fist. And, and I, I think I'd place it kind of on a similar level to Daredevil season two. You know, that it had some strong points and it had some really weak points. Um, but for you all, our listeners, what did you think? Um, what do you think of Jessica and her character? What do you think of how she treated Alyssa? And what's your take on uh, her and Trish? We would love to hear from you guys. Um, uh, you can uh, tweet at us or find us on Facebook at Superhero Ethics. You can um, email us at superheroethics at gmail.com, um, or you can just um, uh, 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 leave a review for us on iTunes or pretty much any other way that you want to give us feedback. We would love to hear it. We may um, talk about it on the show if you want or just respond to you directly, but for, for I think for both of us, as we've said before um, – we want this to be a conversation. We want to be throwing ideas out that are getting you a chance to think, that are giving you a chance to, to talk with your friends over a beer or over a coffee, and, and to send some of that back our way. So please let us know what you're thinking, and um, thank you guys so much for listening. Have a good day. All right, and then let's do a clap as well. Excuse me. that out. I'm going to put that in post. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs>